Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This is what the Bible tells us. The virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And so, you know, let's say this all together. What does that mean? What does, what does Emmanuel mean? Which means what? God is with us. All right? And that's our whole sermon series. That's where we're getting this whole topic that we're talking about, which is simply God with, with us. And last week we looked about how we experienced the presence of God in the valleys of our lives. You know, if you were here with us, we talked about the truth that we often really enjoy God in those mountaintop moments, right? We, we enjoy God when everything's flowing right. We really enjoy God when, you know, uh, the job's going good, the, the, the kids are listening, right? Um, we really enjoy, we, a lot of people really seem to enjoy God this time of the year, um, and so we go through different times, but, you know, we looked at, we really enjoy God in those mountaintops, but sometimes we have a hard time enjoying God when we go into the valley. And the valley is, isn't a place that we necessarily want to just throw ourselves into, let's just be honest. We don't want to throw ourselves into the valley moments spiritually within our lives because those are times of testing. Those are times of character building. But what we learned about those times last week is it's, those are the most those are the moments where we really get into that closer, closer, closeness relationship with Jesus, where we almost really get to know who he is intimately. If you recall, I kind of made the statement of, have you ever, you know, had a friend and you went through a very difficult time with that friend, whether it was good or bad outcome, but we've probably all been to the spot where we've said this statement, I really got to know them more when blank right? Really got to know them more in that troubled moment. Really got to know them more in that intimate moment. And I really think that God allows us to go through those valley moments simply for the reasoning that we can really get to know him maybe when times aren't going so great. Forces us to, to get to a spot where we have to depend more on God and less on ourselves. When things are going good, it's easy to say I'm a Christ follower and just skim that surface. But it's a little bit harder to say I'm a Christ follower when we're going through that valley. But when we're in that valley moment, that's when we dig down deep, or we should be digging down deep, to anchor ourselves in understanding that what? He is God with us. So what we're going to do here, and, and, and today what I want us to do is I want us to talk about a, a, another metaphor um, other than the valley situation, and that is the wilderness, all right? How do we experience God's presence in the wilderness? The wilderness is, is different from the valley because oftentimes the wilderness takes a lot longer to go through it. We read in God's word where the wilderness, what, for Jesus, it lasted a, a period of, what, 40 days. We also learned in the wilderness, right, we see with Noah, right, what did it do? It rained 40 days, 40 nights. We also learn in the Bible and the scriptures that the wilderness lasted, what, 40 years for those coming out of Egypt. So the wilderness oftentimes is, is a, a spot where it, it's seasonal, but sometimes it takes a long time to get through it. And, and, and sometimes it's those moments that really just make us cringe, and we just kind of, you know, we're stuck. Maybe a couple of examples here. You're stuck in a job, and you're wondering, should I stay with this job, or should I possibly move on from it. Um, maybe some of you have thought of even the case of maybe I should continue my education um, and, and further that, which means possibly I'm going to get into student 
you know, student debt. You know, those are wilderness moments within us. Wilderness moments even can, and these are just the easy ones. Understand this. Wilderness moments could be, you know, you know, I'm renting. Do I buy? Things like that, all right? We, we, we start, what, what do we do? We get scared. We get frightened sometimes within these wilderness moments in our lives. We're not sure what to do, where to look, all right? My, my, my hope this morning is that you can understand that he is God with you even when you're going through the wilderness. What's interesting to me is that when you look at the wilderness stories in the Bible, they often follow those mountaintop experiences. Uh, let's look at the life of Jesus for a second. We read in the Gospels where, what, he was baptized by John the Baptist, where at? In the Jordan River. And everything, that's a great moment in Jesus' life. He's on a mountaintop experience, so much so that the Bible says, what, the heavens opened up? And what happened? The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and came into his life. What a great mountaintop experience that must have been for Jesus. And even to go as far as saying that even after that happened, what, Jesus or God looked down upon him and said, this is my son, and I'm well pleased. This is my son whom I love. This is my son who I'm empowering. And then if you read the next verse, what does it say? He went into the wilderness. Oftentimes, those mountaintop experiences that we go through are really just leading us for a season that we're about to enter into, into the, into the wilderness. Some of you... You might be there like in in that situation right now in your life. Things were going great, and then you found out that someone wasn't being honest with you. So suddenly you find yourself, what, in a wilderness moment. Maybe, and I hate to say this, but I understand it. Maybe you find that your, your, your spouse who you thought was faithful was no longer faithful. What does that do? It drives you into a wilderness moment. You're in a financial hardship. You thought things were as good, were, were much better, and then you realize that they're not good at all. And watch this. This is a season right here that really puts people into a financial hardship. And it shouldn't. You're trying to dig yourself out of debt. You're doing everything you possibly can, and then bam, it's Christmas time. And we're spending and spending and spending. So we find ourselves in these moments, in these wilderness moments sometimes where we go, I'm not feeling God in this. Maybe, maybe watch this. Maybe you've had... A season where you, a mountaintop season spiritually where you've felt God really move heavily in your life. Things couldn't go any better. But then it's that habitual sin. Then it's that thing that continually runs through your mind over and over again that's not lining up with God's word. That's not lining up with his will for your life. And then you all of a sudden where you're feeling so spiritually on the mountaintop, now you feel yourself Entering into the wilderness because you're into a, a, a territory that you're not comfortable in. You don't like being there, but you, you're finding yourself kind of trapped. That's a wilderness moment. I'm going to show you a story in the Old Testament where this is lived out very real in a man's life in 1 Kings chapter 19. But what I want you to understand as we get into this is your first note there that you have in, in your bulletin. And that is this, your deepest need. All right, as much as it hurts, your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need is a gift when it's driving you to do what? Depend on God. What is that forcing you to do? It's not about me. I'm not doing this in my own strength. If we get on that mountaintop, it's easy to say, hey, look what I've done. Look how I'm living my life. 
Look at the job that I have. Look at the family that's just picture perfect. No problem. You know, my uh, growing up, I remember this one time. And this is always stuck in my head. And uh, my, my father was a pastor. And, and uh, so, you know, he had a, a guest speaker come in and speak at the church one time. I think I was probably like nine or ten years old. And I still remember this. Mo- I can still remember the table we were sitting at. I still remember what the guy looked like and all this stuff in my head. And uh, we were sitting down, and we, I think we were having lunch one day, and, the, and that, that guest speaker was in our home, and we were eating, and, and somehow they got into a conversation of family and, and spouses, and, and the guest speaker looked at, at my dad, and, and maybe this is you, if it is, man, tell me the secrets, because I need to know this, all right? But he says, my wife and I, we've been married like 40-some years, and we've never had an argument. My dad looked at him and said, liar. <laughs> You know, something's not right here, okay? You know, look, it happens, doesn't it? You get in the situations. If you're in a relationship, whether it's a friend relationship, whether it's a spousal relationship, stuff's going to happen. And even though you think everything's going great, what's going to happen? You're going to somewhere along the way slip into a season where it's just simply not comfortable, all right? So what we're going to do is we're going to look in uh, 1 Kings 19, and we're going to see a story about a man named Elijah the prophet that God had used in many ways, in great ways. Literally, here he is. He's on the mountaintop, literally. He's on Mount Carmel, and he's experiencing the power of God. And almost immediately after we see him go from the mountain into the wilderness, where he's desperate, where he's depressed, where he feels alone, and he feels, what, scared for his life. So what I want to do before we get into the scripture, give you a little context of what was really happening here prior to this moment. All right. There was an evil king named King Ahab, and he was married to an even more evil person, his wife, whose name was Jezebel. And Jezebel had heard about Elijah, heard about all the great things he had done, heard about how supposedly this God was using him. And so she became angered. She became mad. Essentially, she was just simply this, jealous. You know, jealousy, when it enters in, it can really fester. It can really cause a lot of problems. You know, it, it, can, it can split up relationships, families. It can split up marriages. It can cause loss of job. It can hurt you financially. And more importantly, it can hurt you with your spiritual life. When you allow jealousy. And so here you have this woman who is extremely really jealous of Elijah and all that was happening and the attention that he was getting. And so he, she said to her, in essence, said to her husband, hey, look, if you can't do the job right, <laughs> then this woman's going to do it for you. Don't, guys, don't look. Don't look at your spouse right now, all right? Don't, they're not always right. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm going to stop. It took you a minute, didn't it? All right, all right. And that's kind of what she did in this moment, right? She's looking at him and said, look, if you can't do this the correct way, I'm going to do it for you, all right? We, we see here who's wearing the pants in the family, okay, obviously, all right? We can take that out of the thing, all right? And she says to him, and says, you know, here's what I want you to tell him. Tell him by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. You're going to be killed. Now, let me ask you this. If you got a message like that sent to you, would that just spark just a tiny bit of fear within you? Probably so. If you were Elijah in this moment. Now, granted, he's accomplished a lot of things, and we're going to get into that slightly here in just a second. But here he is on a mountaintop moment. He's done so much. He's got this lady, this woman who's extremely jealous. 
and says, hey, word gets back to him, you're going to die by this time tomorrow. All right, now, she says, since King Ahab can't do this, years of him trying to do this, I have to now step in and do it. Now watch this. I'm going to show you right here in God's word where she makes a threat that the king had been pursuing him for years. She makes the threat, and this is what the Bible says, Elijah was afraid, and he did what? He ran for his life. When The scripture goes on to say, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So let's pause for a second here in, in this story. What I want you to understand is when he ran to Beersheba, he really ran. It's not like he just ran from here to the bridge. He didn't run from here to Atlantic, right? Here to Pocomo. It is said that Beersheba was approximately 100 miles away. The Bible says he got up when he heard, and he's running. That's fear. That's a man who is now into a spot, into a season, into an unfamiliar territory where he is simply scared and frightened, and he doesn't know what to do. All he knows is he runs. All right, so here you got this man. He's running. It goes on to say, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey. Now, if you recall, I've been talking a lot about this for you, and that is this. Sometimes when things get really tough, what must happen within your relationships? That circle gets what? Smaller. Smaller. When things are going really tough, there's sometimes where God says, you know what? This person is not good for you right now in this season. So I need that circle of influence, those circle of friendships to what? It's time to get smaller. And this is what happens here with Elijah. All of a sudden he says what? He, lead, he runs 100 miles. Then he goes on to say what? He goes even further, a day's journey away. I mean, this guy is scared. All right. So it goes on to say he's in the wilderness. He's all alone. Okay. He's scared. He's hurting. He's in a desperate moment. Scripture goes on to say, he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. My answer to that was, oh, if you would have stayed where you were, you were going to die. I mean, that's obvious, right? I mean, the, it was already, if you wanted to die, you might as well just have st stayed there in the wilderness aspect. You, should, you might as well just have stayed in that moment. We can learn a lot from that. We can learn a great deal from that because if you continue to allow yourself to stay in the wilderness, watch this, you will die there. You will go through a spiritual death, which eventually will what? End up into a natural one. The choice really becomes ours as a follower of Christ as to whether or not we're going to allow ourselves to stay in such a season. What is your wilderness right now in your life? What is it that you are battling with? What is that emotion that keeps creeping up and over and over? What is that habitual sin? What is that thing that's driving you to go further and further away from God? Is it your laziness? Is it your pure lack of wanting to better your life? Is it because you feel drained and tired? Is it because everything around you seems to come crashing in and you... I just, I can't go on. Where are you at? Is it a season of depression that you're in? Are you there? People say, you know, like, oh, people who are depressed, they just need to snap out of it. No. They need God.
to move. It's not that easy. That's why I'm so driven about us staying in God's word daily. Watch this. A wilderness for some of you is getting in it. You wake up with every intention to do so, but the moment you allow your attention to go something else, it's gone. It's out of sight. You go, oh, I'll have time later. Later never comes. Later never happens. And next thing you know, you lay yourself down and you go to sleep and maybe it hits you. Oh, I didn't spend, I'm going to read twice tomorrow. I'm going to, anybody ever done that, right? I'm going to make up, I'm going to read like the whole Bible now. No, you're not. Don't kid yourself. You know what I love about life is this, you know, when people say I'm trying to do something, no, you're not trying unless you're doing it. Ah, right? Put what? One foot in front of the other. Start making those baby steps if you have to. Go after it. I need to pray more. I'm going to try to pray more, Pastor. No, you're going to do it. Do it. I'm going to pray more. Not I'm going to try because try is nothing but an excuse. It gives you what? A way out, doesn't it? I learned that this week. Only because I didn't make a workout session. All right, there we go. We'll leave that alone. So here he is, he's in a spot, you know, and he goes, and he says this, he goes on to say, he goes, I've had enough, Lord. In other words, I can't take it anymore. He's had to put up a battle. He's fought with bravery on different things. He's had courage. He's had so much faith. He's done all of these things, you know. Me personally, I think with a group this size this morning, that there are some people that are here in your life that many of you might be exactly at that point where I just don't know what else to do. I've tried. I've been trying to do the right things. I've been trying to allow God's word to, to, to be center in my life, uh, to, to, to be that thing, you know? I love it here because he says that I have, I have had enough, Lord. It's driven him to what? His desperation, his putting him in a place, a perfect environment for him to have to depend on God. I say this a lot. I, I don't necessarily believe that God causes everything to happen within our lives, but I do believe he allows things to happen within our lives so that why we have to come to the place where we are depending upon him and depending less upon ourselves. Because listen, you can have all the talents, gifts, and abilities you want, but if you're not using them and allowing God to be a part of them, they'll never be as successful as God intended it to be. I think about our musicians up here, and I'm so grateful for every one of them. And, they can, and they've got a lot of talent, they've got a lot of ability, but if they're not allowing God to be a part of it, guess what? It'll never be to the level that he intended it to be. Now, I believe that we have people that are like that. But what about you? What about the things that God has given you to be extraordinary at? Are you allowing him to be the center of it and giving him credit for it? Are you taking credit for it yourself? Because I promise you this, if you really want to get better at what you do, allow God to be in it. Yes. Allow God to show through you in it. And you'll be amazed. You know, for, for uh, Elijah, here he is. You know, he's a man who... who who's done a lot, you know. Apparently, this is what's happening with him. He's in this season, the prophet. But watch this. This guy had experienced the presence of God. This guy had fought with bravery. 
he had fought with boldness, but yet here he is in a season where he's going, I, I'm praying God kill me. I, I wanna die. He's experienced the remarkable. He's experienced wonders. He's experienced the miracles that God could do. He, what, at times he stood down evil kings. He prophesied. He called for a drought, if you read in the word, and, and, and punishment to the king's sins. And sure enough, what did God do? He caused a drought. The king was mad at Elijah, so he sends all his forces for him. Elijah hides for three years, but yet during those three years, God protects him and even goes as far as feeds him by the ravens. Then God uses Elijah, we read through scriptures, that he literally was praying over a child and that boy came to light. We can read in the scriptures, and now this is a man where God has done these things, but yet he's finding himself in a wilderness moment. What does that say to us? It doesn't matter how awesome that you have been doing, you still are susceptible to be in a wilderness. Watch this. Let's, let's continue. Here's a prophet who stood down 850 false prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven, God shoots what fire from heaven, consumes that altar, then God destroys the false prophets, the very ones who are his enemy, God destroys right before his very eyes, but yet he's afraid of one person. He's seen God move. He's seen how powerful God can do. He's seen the miracles that God can do. He's witnessed it firsthand, but yet he's still finding himself in a wilderness moment. He has faith to believe that God can bring provision. He has faith that God can bring rain. He has faith that God can bring protection in these different seasons. And what does God do? He does just that. This prophet experiences protection from God. He experiences the provision of God. He experiences what? God's greatness. But then one person makes a threat. And it says that what? He's running for his you know, maybe you're not running for your life, but maybe you can understand the fear that this man is experiencing because maybe you're experiencing that in your life. If you're young and, 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 and you're, you're thinking about, you know, what do I do with my life? That is something that could become fearful. It could paralyze you to the place where what? You do absolutely nothing. Let's not do that. That's a wilderness. That's a wilderness that God can help you through. Maybe you're fearful for your kids. You're trying to raise children up in a godly home, but you, you don't know how they're going to turn out. You put your faith and your trust in God. Praying over them, Lord, these are my children. This is my family. I'm placing this in your hands. But for some, it becomes a real place of wilderness because we worry and we fret so much over these things. Maybe you're full of anxiety all the time. That's your wilderness. Depression, that's your wilderness. Not all of us are made the same, so for every one of us, it can be a different thing. You know, um, Dr. Henry Cloud, he's a Christian psychologist, and I read this. I thought this was pretty interesting this week. He was talking to a group of leaders that were all experiencing the same thing, what many of you probably are experiencing right now. They were all talking about, hey, watch this, and you've said this many times, and I've already said it this morning, I'm tired. We're just simply tired. Right? We've been there. I don't know what to, I'm tired. I'm wore out. 
I don't know how much more I can handle. He says, let me say to this many of you, he says, you've been misdiagnosing what the real need is. He said, most of you are not tired because if you were tired, you could just take a nap and that would solve your problem. Think about that. When we sit there and say, I'm just tired. I'll take a nap and it'll solve, right? Sleep on it. Have you ever heard that? Just sleep on it. You'll wake up. You'll feel 100% better. Is that, yeah, okay. You're not in a need of a physical rest as much as you are in a spiritual replenishment. He said, you're not just tired, but you're spiritually depleted. This should speak to somebody. You're not just tired, you're just overwhelmed. What you need is an encounter with a very real and a very real holy presence of a holy God. What you really need is an intimate moment where you can experience the grace, the goodness, the loving kindness, and the mercy of the presence of God. You're not just tired. Maybe you do need some rest. Maybe you do need some physical rest, which would be good. But even more than what you need physically, you need spiritual upliftness. Wow. You need the presence of God. How many times have we ever been in a setting like this? We walked in with a lot of problems. The world just seemed like it's caving in. You allow that distraction to get away and you get into the presence of the Lord through the worship and through the word and through prayer and, and, and everything's great. You leave here feeling 100% and then the world's problems smack you as you walk through the door and you feel yourself going, boom, right back in again. We've been there. What do we need? We, we need a real encounter with a very real God. Now, this is what David said in the 23rd Psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to what? Lie down in cream pastures. He, the Lord, what? He restores my soul. Not just being tired, but this is what? He restores my soul. Not just a physical rest, not that he restores me physically in my body, but what does it say? He restores my soul. He's bringing an encouragement. So what does God do? What I love is this. What does God, what God doesn't do? God doesn't preach Elijah here a sermon. He doesn't preach that. God doesn't give him 10 verses to what? Memorize. He doesn't give him an outline to fill out or say read it throughout this week and let it be a part of your daily devotion, which you should do, by the way. Just throw that in there, all right? I worked hard on that. Here's what God tells him to do. He says, go eat and go rest. And then here's what the scripture says, verse five and six. All at once, an angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. He looked all around and there by his head was some bread, uh, baked, was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank and he laid down again. I love that part. I mean, that must have been some fantastic bread. I mean, if God sent the bread, how good must that bread have been? You know, when you go to Texas, you get that nice fluffy roll and you put that, that butter that, with that, that cinnamon in it or something. Is that stuff not the best? Can you imagine what this bread was? You've been to Red Lobster, right? And you get them cheesy biscuit things. Some of you are like, Pastor, wrap it up, wrap it up. We got to go. Who got the gift card? Donnie got the gift card. Look, he's already gone. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. But what did God essentially do? Listen, some of the most, 
sometimes the most spiritual thing that we could really do is just rest in the presence of God. I say this all the time, Psalms 46.10, my favorite scripture, be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? I love what Elijah, he had to experience that. And he started experiencing that even before he got into his prayer time when he was in his fear. What did it say? He ran when he got to Beersheba and then the servant that was with him, what did he do? He left him there and then went even further. What did he do? He's separating himself from everything else that was going around. He didn't even realize it, what he was doing. He was already setting up an opportunity for God to do something great. Even in his fear, even in his scared state, even in his depression, even in his anxiety. And we often go, well, I don't want those things in my life. I don't want the depression. I don't want the anxiety. I don't want the fear to be there. God allows certain things to happen. Why? So he can set it up so he can do something powerful. And here we have a great example of that. Now, verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Now, my thing is, if the angel of the Lord comes and visits me the first time, I would like to think that I'm going to straighten up. Am I right? God's going to send an angel to talk to me right then. We're good, God. I get it. I get it. I know what I do. Okay. But now it comes a second time. So God's really trying to drive him a a point. I love this. Um, He goes on to say, and it said this, and touched him and said, get up and eat. This is twice he got to eat. Amen to that. That's why we have first Wednesdays. And touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate, and strengthened by the food, he traveled and 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Again, we got the 40 days in there. Are you noticing that? That's all over the Bible, isn't it? The mountain of God. There he went into the cave and he spent the night there. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here? In other words, why are you running away from me? All right. What are you doing here? Some of you, God may be speaking to you that way right now. Like, who do you think you are? You know better than this. You know better than the way your thoughts have been. You know who God is. You know how powerful God is. You've witnessed it in the scriptures, but watch this. You've witnessed it in your own life. If you are a Christ follower, you have witnessed the greatest miracle that could ever happen. That is praiseworthy right there. Many times people, I've never witnessed a miracle. Yes, you did. February the 6th, 1997, I witnessed a miracle in my life when Jesus Christ became my Lord and Savior. When you experienced God and accepted Jesus into your life, that was the greatest moment. That took you from an eternity of suffering and punishment in hell and brought you an eternity of love and compassion and understanding and grace and forgiveness and love. For why? Because of Jesus Christ, the one that we're celebrating ugly Christmas sweater Sunday for, right? All right, let's move on here. He says he's replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. In other words, God, I've been working so hard for you. Why don't you hear my prayer? Why don't you do this for me? He goes on to say, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. In other words, he's trying to say, do you not know what they have done already, God? Like all the other prophets have been exterminated. 
I'm the only one remaining. They're done. They're gone. And now they're coming after me. They have fulfilled their task. They're going to do it to me too. In other words, he's trying to say, God, do you not see the whole picture here? Do you not see everything that's happening? Don't we get selfish like that? God, how, how can you not see what's going on in my life right now? How can you not see all this stuff? That's just piling in and piling in and piling in and piling in until we get to the space where we go, what? I can't do this anymore. I'm watch, watch, I'm tired. I'm worn out. This is where he's at. He's explaining to God what's going on as if God doesn't already know it. Verse 11, the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. He's probably thinking, this is what I need. I need God's presence. I'm scared for my life. I need God's presence. God's going to reveal himself to me. Watch this. The scripture goes on to say, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, I love this part. This is my favorite part of this message that we're about to get into. So you need to listen. Don't look at my lights. Listen. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Elijah in this moment is probably thinking, well, this is God. God's going to be in the wind. God's coming in mightily, powerfully in this moment. Scripture says this, but the Lord was not what? In the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake. Surely God is doing a shaking. We say these things spiritually, don't we not? These are like spiritual cliches. The wind's coming. I feel the presence of God. God's bringing a shaking. All right. I remember hearing all these things as I grew up, all right? They just passed through my head like this. After the wind was an earthquake, surely God's going to be in that. Well, watch this. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after an earthquake came fire. fire. Certainly, this is where God's showing up. Certainly, this is where God is going to be. Remember the burning bush that wasn't consumed? God, you did this for Moses. Surely the fire that's coming, this is you, right? Watch this. But the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. So here you got what? The ground shook. God wasn't in the shaking of the ground. The wind was raging. God was not in that. The fire burned. God was not in that. What do you have? You have earth, wind, and fire. Who grew up in the 70s? That was a prophetic message from the Lord. God was not in any of that. What was he in? An ordinary whisper. Now, why is it difficult for us to understand that? Why? Why is it, God, I don't want to hear you just in a whisper, man. I want you in the wind. I want you in the shakingness and the earthquake. I want you in the fire. Show me who you are in these massive, large elements. God, I need to see it in flashing lights. God, can I be honest with you? Here's how I would be sometimes. I, I would, if I were you, I would sit here and I'm going through a difficult time and I'm battling over a decision. I'd be like, God, you got to show me on that screen. The work should just pop up right now. Right now, God. Anytime, Lord. Obviously, God doesn't want me to do that, you know. We've been there, right? We want those moments. God, throw somebody in my life today you know, watch this. God, I'm going to sleep. When I sleep, I need you to give me a dream, and I need you to give me the answer over this dilemma. Amen. Wake up the next morning and be like, well, that was worthless. That didn't happen. 
Watch this. Here's what happens here. Why did God speak to Elijah in the whisper in that moment? Why? Because God was close by. That's why. Satan had to bring all the distraction that he could possibly bring to be loud and obnoxious. To do what? Drown out God's voice. What is God's voice in your life? Not an iPad, but the word. What is the whisper of God in your life? The word of God. Why does God choose to speak in the whisper in this moment? Because he's close by him. He's close by. By him. It's like, Scott, come here. You could have done better, man, on your, your, uh, your deal. I mean, who needs mistletoe when you have a face like this, right? Jeez. But, but here's how I see it. You're, you're going to be God. And I'm going to be Pastor Kevin. You're bigger than me. All right, that's how we're doing this. All right, so wherever I go, you got you to gotta follow. All right, so, so what happens is, is God is close by. So like, if I'm going through a season in my life where things aren't going meshing well and I'm having a difficult, I'm allowing myself to be in environments that don't line up with God's word for my life. And, and, and what, the fire's there, the wind's rushing there, right? The earth is shaking. But who's with me still? God, with that whisper. Whisper of what, direction? Watch this. Whisper of what? Guilt? Oh, we don't need to be here. We don't need to allow ourselves to be a part of this. Remember when sin was sin and not just gray area? Do you recall those times? Do you remember when the word of God was not compromised? I wish society would get back to that. I wish the, I wish the church would have allowed enough voice again to live right for right. Amen? But then here, here we are, you know, I'm finding myself in a, in a season of depression. I'm finding myself all alone. I feel all alone, right? I, I don't know what's going on. I, everything around me is, is happening, but I'm, I'm just, I'm tuned into me. And I'm tuned into my problems. I'm tuned into my marital problems, my financial problems. I'm tuned into my spiritual problems. Whatever it is you're going through. Why do I harp on these things? Because they're the most things that we suffer through as followers of Christ. We go through these problems and they're very real problems. But who never leaves the entire time? God. He is always there. Why does God choose to communicate in that gentle whisper? Because we got to listen really intently to hear it. Because, exactly, be still and know that I am God. You can sit down, man. Thank you, buddy. Right? When the, all these problems, all these troubles come upon us, watch this. I love this. Psalm 34 and 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Where are you at right now? Where, where are you at today? Are you in a wilderness time? Maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you're on that mountaintop. Watch this. Wilderness is coming. I promise you. You're like, Pastor, you're supposed to be uplifting. I am. I'm uplifting that you're going to go through a wilderness. You're going to go through a valley. Watch this. The next one we're going to talk about, you're going to go through a storm. You're going to go through, through things that really just, to you, it doesn't make sense. Don't you love the bells? <laughs> it's hard to stay serious today. I got to tell you that, man. I, I got little elves out here. I've got lights flashing all over the place, and I'm trying to bring you the Lord. 
The psalmist, or uh, David says in 139, 7-10, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even if your hand guides me, your right hand will hold me fast. We enjoy him on the mountaintops, but we get to know God intimately in the valleys. When we're wandering in the wilderness and we feel like nobody understands, watch this, he understands. When we feel like no one else cares, he cares. Why? He's a good God. He wasn't the earthquake. He wasn't the fire. He wasn't the rushing wind. But he was what? The whisper. I want you to stand with me this morning. That's very subtle. I like that right there. Listen to his whisper. Allow God to speak to your heart. You don't need the next best sermon. You don't need another great worship experience. What you need to do is just listen and hear that whisper, the voice of God. Be still and know that I am God. Lord, speak to your people this morning, God. You see their wilderness. You see, God, where their valleys are. And I just pray over every single one of them right now, Father. Strengthen them. Be that gentle whisper in their life right now. Lord, help them to shut out all distractions, all other noise. Not paying attention, Lord, to the wind and to the shaking and to the fire. Not being, paying attention to all the different voices that are coming into their ears all the things that they're surrounding themselves in media, Father, let them listen to your whisper, to your voice. God, move. Holy Spirit, move. Be, Lord, as your scripture says, that you are Emmanuel, which is called God with us. Now, here's what I want to ask you. All of that means absolutely nothing if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Every word that I gave today, you could say, you know what, I want to do exactly that, but it means nothing unless you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This might be themed the ugliest Christmas ever, but let's make this the most beautiful Sunday of your life today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask this question. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior, and you want to make that choice in this place this morning, all I want you to do is just lift up that hand. I see that hand. This is your moment, your opportunity. Jesus was our greatest gift, but you know what your greatest gift could be in return to him? You, I see that hand. You, this morning. Let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, Today, I give you me. Be my Lord, be my master, be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. 
Cleanse me, Lord. Surround me, Father, with your angels. Lead me in my life. Give me provision and give me protection. Guide me in all things. Because today, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I love that. That never gets old to me. It might get old to you. Shame on you. You need more prayer. That never gets old to me. But now here we go. How do we apply this thing to our lives? Maybe you're in a wilderness season. Maybe you're in a season where it's just like, man, I didn't intend to be here, but I'm here. And there's a lot of things going on that I don't like. It's not really a valley, but it's a wilderness. I'm scared. I'm frightened. I'm going through depression. I don't know where to turn. Marriage is on the rocks. Family, kids are crazy. That's me right there. Kids are crazy, right? Especially this time of the year. How many, do we have any little ones in here? I better be quiet. Let's not go there. The elf, my Lord. It's not helping, all right? But listen, maybe, maybe you're going through some stuff. And, and you need God to move. You, you want God to move. Today is the day, you know what? I want to hear your whisper in my life, Lord. Not just right now, but watch this. When I walk out them doors, because it's easy to hear God right now, guys. It's really easy to hear him now. It's a little harder when you get out there and you got a different circle of influence. It's a little harder when you're on the job. It's a little harder maybe when you have an unbelieving spouse. It's a little harder when you get in those alone moments. Some of you, you live alone. You're in those moments. I get it. It's hard. Listen to that whisper. Listen, because he will never fail you. He will never lead you wrong. He will never leave you, nor will he what? Forsake you. That's you in your life today, and you can say, Pastor, whether I'm in the wilderness or whenever I get in it, I want to hear that gentle whisper every day. Just lift that hand up. Awesome. Let's pray. God, you see the hands uplifted. You... And more importantly, God, you see the heart. Father, we need a real encounter of you in our lives. Not just an emotional outburst. That's not enough. We need a spiritual encounter with you. And you see your people here today who are hungry for that. God, fulfill that this Christmas in their lives. Understanding, Lord, that you are God with us. You are with us in every aspect of our lives. You are with us in the valley. You're with us in the wilderness. You're also with us on the mountaintop. You're with us when the world's against us because why? You are for us. You are with us when the enemy is coming in hard. Why? Because you have clothed us in righteousness. You have given us the armor. So Father, you see your people here this morning who love you so desperately and so deeply. So God, let us hear that whisper daily in our lives. Not just when things are going great or when things are going wrong, but all the time. Help us, Lord, to continue to stay in the faith. To not waver, not go to the left or to the right, but Lord, stay on that narrow path, looking forward, moving in the direction that you have planned for every life. God, with this, we say we love you. We're not deserving of this, but yet, God, you are still giving it to us. We put you, Jesus, on that cross. But yet you still willingly did it. For that, Lord, we say we love you. 
The greatest gift give to us is you. So this season, Lord, let us give to others you. Fulfilling that great commission, God, and spreading your gospel all throughout. Showing love and kindness, compassion and understanding. Meekness, Father. Peace. God, as we leave this place this morning, and how fun it has been and how great it's been in your presence, let us do this, Father. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says amen and amen. All right, we love you. Have a great, great week.